All right, let's do this quick because uh, we're running out of time. But we're going to talk about Jesus today again. And I want to catch you up. I usually use the Globe Bible, but I don't know if they're keeping up with that as much as I would prefer them to, so it's not real stable on my iPad. So I'm just going to take you to uh, Google Maps. It does the exact same thing that the Globe Bible does when you're looking at territories. Anybody recognize that right there? That's us. So we'll see if we can do this. If I have enough Wi-Fi, there's the United States. Let's zoom out a little bit more, and we're going to go over here to Israel. Right here, that's the big Mediterranean Sea right there. And then we're talking about Israel. Now, when you look at this map, this is today's present uh, satellite. You can do this on your phone. But uh, just to give you an idea of what's going on here is in the very north right here where it says Tiberias, this is the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee, uh, it looks kind of big right there, but uh, if you get there, surprisingly, it's not as big as you think it is. And right here is the Jordan River. The Jordan River comes, everything that you've heard about right here, this is just what we talked about uh, in the last couple of weeks where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He did it right here in the Jordan River. That's where it took place. It's green water. And then down here in this area, you've got the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is where you find all those products on Amazon that help your skin and everything else. Uh, It's full of salt. There's nothing living in the Dead Sea, thus the name the Dead Sea. There's no out for that water. It just sits there. The beautiful thing about it is it's got so much salt in it that you can literally walk into the Dead Sea, which I've done, and you cannot be touching the ground and you can stand straight up. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like literally you're so buoyant in the water that you won't go under. And you definitely don't want to splash each other because if it gets in your eyes, it sure hurts. Now, uh, I guess I'll say this real quick. Is... You know, I I believe, this is a side note, I believe that when I'm done teaching this thing that uh, I'm going back over there. Like literally, when when I'm done with this thing, I would love to take a group of you over there with me. So uh, I'm going to work on that. You guys be praying about that. And uh, it's safe. Look, the, the 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 deal over here in this area right here, I see you see West Bank and you go, oh my. But the, the number one moneymaker for Israel is tourism. You know, you're safe there, but uh, we'll talk about that as we get closer to it. But as we zoom in here, you're going to look that right there at the top of the Dead Sea and just west of the sea, uh, Dead Sea is Jerusalem. Let's like zoom in to that and look right there. That is the Temple Mount right there. Isn't that amazing? that you can see that that is Muslim controlled at this point it won't always be Muslim controlled at some point at some point it will be returned to the Jews now 
let's zoom out just a little bit. If you go to the east of that, you're going to see all these little dots. That, my friends, are olive trees, and that is the Mount of Olives that you're looking at, which is right next to the Temple Mount. If you zoom in real close, I don't know how good Google is, but that's Gethsemane. That's where Jesus spent his his last few hours before he went on the cross was there at Gethsemane. It's an unbelievable place if you ever get there and just sit underneath an olive tree. But if you move even further east than that, I'm going to show you, hopefully, oh, I don't want to lose it. Uh, here is, the Wi-Fi is not that great because these pictures would be clearer, but actually where Lazarus' tomb was. See, you can even like pull up pictures right there. But you remember Jesus went to Bethany and he raised Lazarus from the dead. I show you that because today we are talking about Bethany and throughout the, the Gospels we will talk about Bethany. And so Bethany is important that you see that it is exactly east of Jerusalem and it's not that far. It's like uh, an hour or two walk probably from the Temple Mount to uh, Bethany. So let's zoom back out and show you some more. If you go north up to the Sea of Galilee, obviously it is surrounded by Galilean area. So when the Bible says Jesus went to Galilee, he went up to the Sea of Galilee. That's where he walked to. I believe that from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee is somewhere between 60 and 70 miles. If you look just west of the Sea of Galilee, you'll see a little city that's called Nazareth. Nazareth is where Jesus grew up. Like literally you can walk the streets of Nazareth and even go to the synagogue that they believe that Jesus grew up in. It's crazy. It's amazing to walk where they say Jesus walked. And then I go back to that Temple Mount because when I say that, the one place that I know that Jesus was and that I stood there with Micah and my son was at the south steps of the Temple Mount. And again, it's not real clear, but those are the south steps of the Temple Mount. And we absolutely know that Jesus was there. It's a beautiful thing. I say all that so when you read the scripture, you can have some idea of what Jesus did. It's important for us just to say Jerusalem or to say Bethany and Galilee and Nazareth and you had not have a clue what that looks like or where that is, uh, hopefully we'll make the story come a little bit more alive. Uh, a couple things. I still, I gave out uh, a couple of uh, these. These are the Harmony of the Gospels. Last week I, they were New American Standard. This one is A.T. Robertson's. Uh, they've taken the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They've paralleled them, all the stories right there. And this is probably the one that I'm using more than the other one, following this one in the stories chronologically. If you'd like these Harmony of the Gospels, there's two copies right here. So let's pick up where we left off. And I want to pick up at John chapter 1, and I'm going to stay in John chapter 1 the whole morning this morning. 
we won't be too long because uh, I'm watching my time. But let's review. First of all, uh, I think two weeks ago we talked about the Messianic miracles. And those Messianic miracles were that the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the, the Sanhedrin was made up of Pharisees and Sadducees and a high priest. And they had predetermined that if the Messiah was to ever be discovered, that it was going to be able to do all three Messianic miracles. You're not going to find this in the Scripture, but this is Jewish tradition. This is Jewish tradition. One, that he, held, that he healed a Jewish leper. Two, that he healed a blind person that was born blind. And three, that he cast out a demon from a mute, a person that could not hear or talk. So if any one of those miracles were done, it would cause the antennas of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to, to, to rise up and go, wait a second, this has never been done before. We're going to do an investigation. And so there were two stages of investigation. The first stage is that they would just go and observe. They would just watch. They weren't allowed to ask questions. But then the second stage was they asked questions and they drilled. And you're going to see this throughout the, the Gospels. This, is, this process like goes on throughout the Gospels. So now let's look at John chapter 1. Verse 19. You remember what has already occurred. We already went through the birth. We went through the genealogy. Uh, Jesus came in and he was baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. Then he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and he was tempted by the evil one. The evil one misused the scripture, misused the scripture and tried to get Jesus to do things in his own strength. And Jesus says, no, I'm not here to do things in my own strength. I'm here to do things with the Father working through me, which is what we here do as well. It says, uh, verse 19, this is John's testimony. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites, again, this is the Sanhedrin that I just talked about, to ask him, who are you? Obviously, they observed. Now they're beginning to ask questions. But they're asking them to John the Baptist, not Jesus. It says, He did not refuse to answer, but he declared, this is John the Baptist declaring, I am not the Messiah. If you came here looking for, thinking that I was the Messiah and I was proclaiming to be the Messiah, let me get that straight. Just like Steve Alford he was like he was going to be named IU's head coach right after the UCLA loss. He got out the press conference and said, let me get things straight. I am not going to IU. This is the same thing that John the Baptist is doing. I am not the Messiah. He's like, what then, they asked him. Are you Elijah? <laughs> I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? Nope, he answered. Who are you then? They asked, we need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? Like, obviously, here's what happened is John the Baptist has done so much activity that it's caused the antennas of the Sanhedrin to go up. That he has like literally rattled the cages of all those in Jerusalem. That he has stirred the waters. He said, 
I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Where was Jesus? He was in the wilderness, but we also know that John the Baptist came from the wilderness. You know, you've heard, you read the stories about John the Baptist. He had on this like nasty furry thing and he would eat locusts and honey and he was just kind of, kind of like a wild guy. You think about the wildest, you know, those nature guys that just like out there, this was like John the Baptist. And so he's like saying, uh, I'm one crying out in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. Do you not think that caught the attention of the Pharisees? I'm, I'm making a straight path for the Lord to come in here. Just as Isaiah the prophet said, now he's really sparked them because they understand Isaiah. They look at Isaiah 53 when it says there's going to be a suffering servant that comes along that's going to die on the cross. It's all spelled out there in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and they're looking for him. And he's like, I'm not the one, but he's coming. He says, uh, now they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? That's a great question. Why is John the Baptist baptizing people? Why is he baptizing? I believe that he's baptizing because he's setting the way for Jesus to be baptized. That whole thing that Jesus had to come and be baptized... Therefore, John's baptizing so Jesus could be baptized. What, what does baptism mean? At that point right there, John the Baptist was baptizing, and all the people, all the disciples that he was baptizing were his disciples, not Jesus' disciples. They were disciples of John the Baptist who was preparing the way for the Lord. And this baptism identified them with John the Baptist, not with Jesus, but with John the Baptist. And it says, I baptize with water, John answered them. Someone stands among you. Like he's saying now Jesus has come out of the wilderness, those 40 days and 40 nights, and somewhere he's standing in that crowd. He says, someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He's the one coming after me whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. Like literally... You think about the lowest thing that you can do for a person. And John the Baptist is saying, I'm not even worthy to do that. All this happened in Bethany. Remember Bethany now. Bethany was just east of the Mount of Olives, just east of the Temple Mount. All this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So they had made their way from the Jordan River down to Bethany. And it was all happening right there. And watch this in verse 29. It says, The next day, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. Like, this was the first time, this was the first time that John the Baptist saw Jesus walking to him and he actually knew that he was the Messiah. Like he was walking to him. This is the second time that Jesus walked with John the Baptist, right? Because he has already baptized him once. But the first time he walked to him, he didn't know who he was. 
you don't you don't believe me watch what he says he says the next day john saw jesus coming toward him and he said here's the lamb of god this is what the pharisees were looking for the sacrifice here's the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world remember all these animals their blood was poured out and it covered sin it atoned for their sin it didn't forgive sin but now jesus has come and his body his body is going to be given up and his blood will be poured out and it will make a difference because it forgives sin it just doesn't cover sin it actually takes it away like it's gone for good everything that you've done past present and future has been dealt with with jesus at the cross he says who takes away the sin of the world this is the one i told you about after me comes a man who has surpassed me because he existed before me now if you go back to john chapter one and you see that john the baptist is born as a cousin you realize that he's born six months before jesus He's actually born before Jesus, but he says this because he existed before me. He knows that he's the Messiah and that he reigns as the creator, the Lord. So not only did like he come after John the Baptist physically, but he was here and John is making that known. I didn't know him. There it is. He says, I didn't know him the first time that he walked up to me. But I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. That's the whole reason John was baptizing. So that he could baptize Jesus and that all Israel could see this is the Messiah because God opened up and he sent the dove down that landed on him. It's the Holy Spirit. And he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I'm well pleased you had to realize this is the messiah and john testified i watched the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he rested on him i didn't know him but he who sent me to baptize with water told me the one you see the spirit descending and resting on he's the one who baptizes with the holy spirit i have seen and testified that he is the son of god that answers the question then, why were all these believers in Jesus Christ rebaptized? It's because, that, first of all, they were baptized under John the Baptist and they identified with John the Baptist. But once the Spirit had come in Acts chapter 2, they all got rebaptized and they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he baptizes with the Spirit. Look, those of you that are believers in jesus christ you believe that jesus is the son of god that he came and that he died on the cross that his blood was poured out and forgave you of your sins that he died that he was buried and rose again all of you here in this room believe that the spirit has come and has taken up residence inside of you you've been baptized with the spirit there's nothing more that you need to do you have the holy living God taking up residence inside of you. None of, none of these people that we're reading about had that at that point. They didn't have it. Because the Spirit hadn't come until after the cross in Acts chapter 2. Now watch this. This is, this is the fun part. This is what I was talking about with Rick. When Jesus starts to call his disciples... <laughs> 
he called his disciples because he wanted these guys just to hang out with him. Just, just, just what Luke was talking about up here. Just, let's just hang out in the Word. Let's just have community together. Let, let's just get to know each other. It didn't say let's have accountability. <laughs> he said let's just know each other. If we know each other, there's no, there's no reason for accountability. I'm going to know when you're hurting. I'm going to know when you're messing up. I'm going to know it because I know you. And this is what he says. Again, the next day. Two days later now. John was standing with two of his disciples. John the Baptist was standing with two of John the Baptist's disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, it's the Lamb of God. Again, it's the next day. He says, It's the Lamb of God. And the two disciples, which we believe is Andrew and John. Andrew is named, but John is writing this book and he never names himself. He never mentions himself. He says, the two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed him following, he asked him, what are you looking for? Like the Messiah turns to these two guys and says, what do you want? What are you here for? And they said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, which it says, the scripture says, that it says, teacher, you're the teacher. Where are you staying? That question in Jewish tradition actually means, will you be our rabbi? Like, can I go stay where you're staying, and will you teach me? Will you show me what all this Jewish tradition, this Jewish law means? Will you be my teacher? Now, here's what you here here here's an interesting side that you need to know about the Jewish tradition. There there were three different traditions in the education of Jewish boys. The first one was uh Bet Safar. Bet Safar usually happened at the age of five to ten, and it is a time that they are taught in a, in a synagogue by a rabbi. And during this time, these good Jewish boys memorize the Torah, the Pentateuch. Same thing, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the same thing, but the Jews called it the Torah. What's the Torah? First five books of the Bible. That would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So the time that they're five years old to the time that they're ten years old, you're telling me that they memorized... They memorized that much of the word. By the time that they're 10 years old, they had all the Leviticus. 613 laws that were given to the Levite priest. Yuck. That was their education by the time. If they were really good, they had that thing memorized. And then if they did that, if they were capable of doing that, they made it to the next stage, which was Bet Talmud. And Bet Talmud, they did this. It was the pro, it was it was immediately following Bet Safar, but it continued from the age from ten to fourteen years old. And during this time, the student would then begin to learn to read and to memorize all of the Psalms, all of the prophets, and the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures. Like they literally memorized the whole Old Testament. That's thirty nine books. By the time that they're 14 years old. 
most in this room can't even like say the Ten Commandments. But by the time they're 14, they had that Old Testament memorized. It wasn't uncommon in that day for a good Jewish boy to have the Old Testament memorized by the age of 14. It was pretty common. And the student would also during this time begin to learn the art of questions and answers because Jewish wisdom established that if you wanted to be intelligent, you wouldn't just spout off information, but you would ask questions. So if a teacher asked the question, what is two plus two? Everybody in this room, Western civilization taught, would probably say four, but the good Jewish boy would say, what's the square root of 16? They would turn it around and ask a question. Therefore, the rabbi would understand they understand their question and were able to process even further. And then you get to the stage, the third stage, which is the Bet Midrash. And this is after 14 years of age. And each, what you have to understand is that each rabbi, just like each pastor, each pastor in this community has a different, what we call, what the scripture calls a yoke. I have a yoke, and it's the way that I read the scripture The Holy Spirit interprets to me, and I filter the Word of God, and that's what I teach. You go down the street, you may hear the same gospel read, but it taught with a different interpretation. And so the rabbis did that with the Old Testament. They taught different interpretations. And so by the time you're 14 years old, if you've got the Old Testament memorized, you would find a rabbi that fits what you understand in your interpretation. There's many possibilities, but Midrash was the time that you found your rabbi. And here's what happened. Happened. The rabbi would have to decide, do I want to take the best of the best and teach them? Do I want to spend my time with them? Like they ate and drank and lived with their teacher. The disciples memorized the words of their rabbi, their teacher. It just wasn't about learning what they knew, but learning how to be like them. To think, to act, to do like them. They would even follow them into the restroom. They wanted to be like their rabbi. And so, watch this. The disciples that Jesus pursued, (laughs) you pretty much know what their occupation was, right? Right? What was Matthew? He was a tax collector. What, What was Andrew and John and Peter? Fishermen. You know why they were doing these things? They didn't get selected by a rabbi, so they had already moved on to their father's trade. They weren't the best of the best. They may not have had the Old Testament memorized. They may have had the Old Testament memorized, yet the rabbi said, no, you're not good enough. But Jesus said this. They said, where are you going? 
come and you'll see. He, he, he said to, to Andrew and to John, come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. It was about 10 in the morning. Some will say that uh, that's 10 hours after sunrise, which is 6 a.m., which would translate to 4 p.m. I don't know if it was 10 a.m. or 4 p.m., but why in the world would John tell the time that it was? Some people believe that that was the point that he became saved by Jesus, and he wanted to make a significant point about it, that he received his salvation just by saying, yes, I'll follow you. It says, Andrew... Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means the anointed one. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You're Simon, son of John. Like Peter hadn't said anything yet. Jesus knew who he was. He even identified his dad he said you'll be called cephas cephas was an aramaic name for rock which we know as peter which in the greek form is petra petra being rock now this is significant later on when we get into i believe matthew chapter 16 it says the next day he decided to leave for galilee you remember where galilee is the sea of galilee at the top So now he was down there near Bethany, and he went all the way up the Jordan River to the Galilean area. And it says, the next day he decided to leave for Galilee. Jesus found Philip and told him, follow me. I don't even know what that would be like. The Messiah just like coming up to you and say, hey, follow me. That'd be pretty awesome. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida the hometown of Andrew and Peter, which again was back down there by Bethany. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. And immediately Nathanael's ears went up, his antennas went up. He says, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. And all of a sudden his antennas went down. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him, you see, this is kind of like Nathaniel lived in Galilee. It's kind of like living in uh, Hamilton County. And you say, oh, they're from Greenwood. Nothing good comes out of Greenwood. They're the other side. I mean, like there was there was there was literally bitterness about it. And Nathaniel's like, are you kidding me? The Messiah? You're telling me that he's coming from Nazareth? I was cool with the first part, but when you said Nazareth, uh-uh. Philip says, come and see. Just, just come check it out, Nathaniel. Watch this, this is big. I was hoping to get to the first miracle, but I'm going to have to cut it off. Uh, this is important. It says, then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, and said about him, Here's a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. Now, I know that doesn't seem like a big deal to you, but if you take all 66 books and you filter that thing right there, Jesus just identified identified somebody in the Old Testament. 
can you name one Israelite, one famous Jew that was known for his deceit? Had to do with a hairy arm. It was Jacob. It was Jacob who deceived his dad, Isaac, and got the birthright of his brother Esau. Remember that? He lied to his dad. Wait, hang, hang with me just a second. Jesus said, here's a true Israelite. No deceit is in him. And all of a sudden, Nathaniel looks at him and says, how do you know me? How, how do you, like, Nathaniel's already connected. There's an Israelite and deceit. And he's already connected it with Jacob. And Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree and I saw you. And Nathaniel's like, What? Because it was exactly true. You see, Jewish tradition says this, is that the student, when they wanted to ponder and think about things and develop their train of thought, they would go sit under a tree. And not just any tree, but a fig tree. And this is exactly what Nathaniel had done. He was literally sitting underneath a fig tree, pondering about Jacob. And Jesus, like, said, I know where you were sitting, and I know what you were thinking about. And Nathaniel's, like, going, what in the world is going on here? And he says this. He says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now let me take you to Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 12. This is all the way back to the first book of the Bible and the story about Jacob. He's already, like, done Esau wrong. He's tried to make things right. And now he's, like, wrestled with God. Remember, Jacob's the one that wrestled with God. And in verse 10 it says, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He reached a certain place and he spent the night there because the sun had set. He took one of the stones from the place, put it there at his head and lay down in, the, in that place. He had a stone for a pillow. And it says, and he dreamed a stairway was set on the ground with, the, with its top reaching heaven and God's angels were going up and down on it. Now, I know you're sitting there like, well, that's cool about Jacob that he saw angels going up and down this thing and it is just a dream that he had. But watch this. This is why we know Jacob was processing, or that Nathanael was processing about Jacob, and Jesus knew it. In verse 49, he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. If you knew that I was underneath the fig tree and you knew what I was thinking about, you have to be the Messiah. I don't care if you came from Nazareth, you're it. And Jesus says this to him to confirm. Jesus responded to him, Do you believe only because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. He's looking at Nathaniel in the eye and he says, I assure you, you will see heaven opened up 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I know what you were thinking, Nathaniel. You were thinking about Jacob and his dream that was mentioned in Genesis chapter 28. I got you, Nathaniel. You're going to see greater things than what you just saw right here if you hang out with me. I promise you, I promise you, my friends, you get to know this man. He will change your life, and you will see greater... I'm talking about right here, right now, 2017. You will see greater things than you can ever imagine. I promise you. You get to know him. I, I, look, I'm not telling you to go do things. I'm not telling you to go build things. I'm not telling you to go save the world. I'm saying you get to know your Savior. You get to know your Messiah. And He will show you and do amazing things through you just like He's done with Nathaniel. They're just 18-year-old boys. They're interns. I'll follow you. I didn't get a chance. You're going to pick me? I want that chance. I'll follow you. No one else would have me. Jesus said, I'll have you. You're mine. Come follow me. Father, I pray. Mm. I pray that your truth just uh, continues to unpack and unfold. Uh, there's just so much there that you, <laughs> you love the ones that are not the best. And you've called us. You've called us just to get to know you. Just to get to hang out with you. Just to see what you do. So that we can mirror that as well. And I trust that uh, you'll teach us not to do things in our own strength. I trust that you'll do that. So Lord, thank you for today. Just thank you for uh, those that are here. I pray for those that are hurting today those that are struggling, uh, your word just come alive to them and rejuvenate them. Let them know that you love them, that you care about them. And uh, let's pray that we walk on in Jesus' name. Amen.